Well, as, uh, as December rolls around each year, there's something I think that's really unique. I think it happens more in December than any other time of the year. And this is what that is. It seems like in the month of December, there's always a familiar song in the air. You know, as you go, as you go gift shopping, you're almost certain to hear all I want for Christmas is you. If you go to uh, an elementary school play, I'm pretty sure the kindergartners are going to be singing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And if you come to church, more, more likely than not, you're going to be singing either Silent Night or Joy to the World or any of the other familiar Christmas carols that we sing each and every year. And why is this, that we have all these familiar songs? Well, of course, it's because in December there is Christmas and we sing uh, Christmas songs as Christmas approaches. Now, I know that there's a, a wide range of opinions when it comes to Christmas songs and Christmas carols. Some people love them, would be willing to sing them all year long. Others would probably prefer to never sing them at all. But whatever your opinion is about Christmas songs, one thing is certain. Christmas is a season full of singing. But what about the first Christmas? Were there songs in the air when the Savior came to earth? Well, as we're going to find out throughout the rest of December, there was actually much music and much singing at the time of Jesus' birth. In fact, the, Luke, uh, the, the book of Luke records four separate songs for us in its first two chapters. It records a song of Mary, a song of Zechariah, the angel song, and also uh, the song of Simeon. Now, there's some debate whether all of these are actually songs, but one thing is certain, they're all poetic. So I'm going to call them songs for the sake of, of this sermon series. But today, as an introduction to that Songs of the Season uh, series that we're going to be doing, we're going to look at Psalm 105. Because in Psalm 105, especially the first six verses, we see the importance of singing, which I think is fitting considering the singing that we're going to be doing during this season. And specifically, we'll see that we are told to sing with thanksgiving to the Lord for his wondrous works. So let's read Psalm 105, verses 1 to 6 again. It says, O give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and his strength, seek his presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles and the judgments he uttered. O offspring of Abraham, his servant, children of Jacob, his chosen ones. So we see there a couple times there's this clear command to sing to the Lord. And this psalm also reveals to us why it is that we should sing. First of all, it tells us that we should sing to revere God. The psalm begins by, by calling the reader to give thanks to God and goes on to say that we ought to praise the Lord and to glory in the Lord. In other words, the psalm tells us that we sing for the purpose of worshiping God. And this obviously isn't a new idea to us, as throughout the scriptures we see that this is true, that the main reason why we sing is to worship. Just a few pages back from where we are in Psalm 95, verse 1 and 2, we read this. It says, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. Again there, clearly we're to sing for the purpose of worship. Just a page after that, Psalm 100. 
says this, starting in verse 1, Make joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Another command for us to sing praise, to sing worship to God. And we see this really throughout the entire Psalms. Over and over and over, we're told to sing praise, sing worship to the Lord. But we also see this in the examples of some of the songs that we're going to be looking at in the coming weeks from Luke 1 and 2. For example, Mary begins her song by saying, My soul magnifies the Lord. And Zechariah says, Blessed be the Lord God. And both of them start their song by worship. They praise God. So throughout the Bible, we're reminded again and again and again of this truth because the main purpose of our singing should be to worship God. But here in Psalm 105, we're also given a specific reason as to why we should sing praise to God. And it's because of God's very character. Verse 3 alludes to this a little bit. It says there, glory in his holy name. And when it says glory in his holy name, it's talking about God's personal name, the name that Mr. Powers mentioned earlier, Yahweh. And that name, Yahweh, refers to the sum total of God's character. It reminds us of God's divine attributes, of how he's revealed himself to us. So when it says glory in his name, it's telling us that we are to worship God for the fullness of who he is, for how he's revealed himself, for his attributes that he's shown to us. It's telling us to look to God and to say, wow, God, you are good. You are amazing. You're, you're gracious. Your justice is perfect. Your love is, is the kindest. Your holiness cannot be fathomed. And then when we say that to God, we also sing that to God. We sing these praises, this worship to him. And again, this is a pattern that we see throughout the songs of the Bible. For instance, in Psalm 145, which King David wrote specifically as a song of praise, he writes this at the beginning. He says, I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. So he begins with praise, but then he goes on to say, because the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. So David is singing a song of worship for God's character, for his attributes that he had seen, that God has displayed to us. And many of the songs that we sing in, in church today are essentially written with that same purpose in mind. We sing to worship God for how he's revealed himself to us. I think of the classic hymn, Holy, Holy, Holy. Right? The, the first verse says, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, early in the morning my song shall rise to thee. Right there in the first verse, it's saying that we sing because God is holy, because of who he has revealed himself to be, because of his attributes. And as the song continues, it just keeps on attributing praise to God um, for his holiness, for his greatness, and we sing it to him, which is exactly what we are called to do, to worship God through singing for who he is. And when we do that, we are singing to revere him. But that's not the only reason that we should sing of the Savior. Psalm 105 also reveals that we should sing to reveal God to others. Take a look again at verses 1 and 2, starting at the second half of verse 1. It says this, Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of all his wondrous works. 
So the audience of this psalm is called to sing for the purpose of global witness, of telling others of all God's wondrous works. Now, the original audience of this psalm was, of course, the the Israelites, God's chosen people. And even though the Israelites had a special blessing from God because they were his people, his chosen people, they were also called to bless others with that knowledge that they had of the one true God. We see this is true even back in in Abraham's time. During the Abrahamic covenant in Genesis chapter 12, God tells Abraham that his offspring, who had become Israel, were to be a blessing to all people. Ultimately, that's fulfilled through through Jesus Christ, but still there was a call here for, for Israel, Abraham's descendants, to be a testimony of God's grace to all the families of the earth. And so they were to share the good news with other people. We also see an example of this in Deuteronomy 31, verse 12, where there's an assembly of people, Israelites, men, women, children, but also, it says the sojourner, meaning the outsider, the stranger, the person from outside the Israelite nation. And they're all to be gathered together to hear the law of God read. And it says in Deuteronomy 31, verse 12, they are to hear and to learn the fear of the Lord. So it was God's will for his people to share this knowledge of the fear of the Lord with others, with outsiders, with other nations. Israel was told that from their beginning. They were to be a testimony to the power and the glory of God. They were to make known God's deeds among the peoples of the earth. Really, Israel was kind of supposed to be like exhibit A to the surrounding nations. So they would all want to know the God of the Jewish people. And a part of that plan that God has for Israel to bring this knowledge of God to the nations was for Israel to sing about God, which we see here in Psalm 105, where it says, sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of all his wondrous works. But we see this as well in Psalm 96. If you want to turn there, Psalm 96, verses 1 to 4. It says this, O sing to the Lord a new song, sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. And skipping down to verse 10, it says, Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established, it shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. So singing here we see is, is one of the tools in Israel's tool belt when it comes to global witness. They're told to sing songs among the nations that would declare God's great works of salvation. They're told to sing to the nations that there is one God, and it's the Lord who, who reigns, who made the earth, and he's a good and righteous judge, this psalm tells us and tells Israel. And the people of Israel were to sing that to those who were lost, so that they would hear the glory of God and they would be found, so that they too would worship the one true God. So this is just one example. There's other examples throughout the scripture of well, of singing being used to share the glory of God, to share who God is. In fact, one example of this is, again, from the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2, where we, we read that the angels... Uh, There's one angel first that visits the shepherds to bring them the good news of great joy, which we all know. And that news was that the Savior was born. 
And then what happens? Well, there's a heavenly host that, that shows up, they appear, and they sing. They say, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with, with whom he is pleased. What are they doing there? They're sharing the, the great news of God's glory and of mankind's peace through song. They're singing this to the shepherds. They're using singing as a tool to reveal the wondrous works of God to others. In, uh, in the year 1735, John Wesley was aboard a ship that was crossing the Atlantic Ocean. And uh, he, was, he was absolutely terrified because there happened to be a massive storm that was hitting the Atlantic Ocean, that specific part, that day. And, and it came upon the ship and it was so fierce that the mainsail split in half and the mast also had broken in two. And so everything on deck was, was madness. People were running around. They were terrified. The wind was, was coming and throwing waves onto the deck. The rain was pouring down. It, it was just chaos. But in the midst of all the chaos on the deck, there were 26 missionaries who were also aboard this ship. And in the midst of the howling wind, instead of running around like everyone else was, they sang. They were singing to the Lord, not missing a single note. Eventually, the storm passed, and Wesley, who wasn't a Christian at the time, uh, was impressed by, by their calmness, by their song, and so he went up to one of these missionaries and asked them, weren't, weren't you afraid? And the missionary said, thank God, no, I wasn't. John Wesley recognized something. He recognized that this faith and this confidence that the missionaries had, the fact that they could sing in the storm, was because they had something that he didn't. And as a result of, of seeing this witness of these testimonies, eventually uh, Wesley became a Christian. He put his faith in Jesus Christ and would eventually actually become a great leader in the church. And this is another example of singing to reveal God to others. As the missionaries witnessed through song ultimately led to Wesley coming to faith in Christ Jesus and God using him in huge ways in the church. And so in the scriptures and in church history, we see that songs were used as a tool for evangelism. Now, we might ask ourselves, how can we use music? How can we use singing um, to reveal God to others today? Well, one way might be through singing uh, during different ministries, such as VBS or uh, Bible camps or care home services. These are different things that we can do. Of course, we know that the main purpose of singing in any of these places is still for the purpose of worship. But there's also a good chance that there could be people present at any of those ministries, any of those places that do not know the Lord or know very little about him. And so music is a great way to be able to teach and to lock truths in about who God is. Uh, and I, I've heard a story about this. There was a man from my old home church who became a Christian much later in life. And a big part of his testimony, even though he wasn't really a musical person, was music, was singing. He was uh, not from a Christian home, uh, but one summer he went to Bible camp. And he told me that he didn't really remember a single thing that the speaker said at Bible camp. He just remembered being there, having a lot of fun. He was, definitely would have been a rowdy kid, I can guarantee. And he said, didn't think much of really anything of the week. 
But for years and years and years after he left Bible camp, there is one thing that he never forgot. And that was the songs that they had sang at Bible camp. They were forever locked in. They stuck with him, even as he grew up living apart from God. And years later, years and years after that, those, those truths from the songs that they sang, as well as, you know, him reading the word of God, these two things were what pointed this man to Christ. And he eventually put his faith in Jesus. It just goes to show that we never know the difference that, that a biblical song can make in a life. Another way we might reveal God to others through singing, particularly in the Christmas season, is through caroling. Uh, caroling was something that actually originated as just giving general well wishes to people during the, the winter months. But the church took that and used it as an opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ with others. And we can do the same today, as I'm sure many of you have in the past, taking that opportunity to, to carol. And that might seem like nothing much, but again, you never know what the words of these songs that we sing could do for those who are listening. I'm sure that there's many, many other ways that we could use singing and, and music to share God with others, but these are just a few suggestions that have been used by Christians in the past. Because Psalm 105 tells us that when the opportunity is there, we should sing to reveal God to others, making known his wondrous works. But Psalm 105 also goes on to tell us that we should sing to remember the Lord. As we read in verse 5, it says this, Remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles and the judgments he uttered. Um, So one of the purposes of singing is to remember God. And this idea of, of remembrance is not an uncommon idea throughout the scriptures. You know, whether it's the memorial stones that were put up by uh, Joshua and the Israelites after they crossed the Jordan River, or the feasts that the Israelites celebrated, such as the Passover, which were for the purpose of remembering what God had done. Similarly, of course, we participate in the Lord's Supper to remember what Jesus has done for us. And even the, the songs of Mary and Zechariah in Luke chapter 1 bring up this idea of remembering what God had done for them, remembering God's faithfulness to his covenants. And so this idea of remembrance comes up again and again and again. And the Psalms are probably one of the greatest examples of this, as many of them were written to be a song of remembrance. In fact, Psalm 105 is one of those Psalms. And as you look at this this Psalm, as we read it earlier, You can see how clearly this is just walking through Israel's history, pointing out all of these things that God has done for them, his faithfulness to them, pointing out, as it says in verse 5, his miracles and his judgments, right? In verses 8 and 9, it brings up Abraham, talking about how God remembered Abraham, how he chose Abraham. And then a little bit later on, verse 17, it brings up Joseph, how God used Joseph to deliver his people in the midst of a famine, After that, it it talks about them going to Egypt in verse 23 and how God used Moses in Egypt to deliver his people by bringing these, these judgments, these plagues, which are laid out from verses 28 to 36, which eventually led to the Exodus is mentioned in verse 37 and 38, when, of course, the, the people were able to leave Egypt. 
And even after they left Egypt, it talks about how God provided for his people in the wilderness in verses 39 to 41. So this entire psalm is a song of remembrance. It's looking back at what God did in the past and recalling his faithfulness to them. So when the Israelites sang this song, they sang to remember the one who had remembered them. And interestingly, all of that results in worship. It's the very last three words of this psalm say, praise the Lord. The recalling of what God had done for the Israelite people naturally overflowed back into praise, back into reverence for God. How could they not praise the one who had done all of this for them in the past? And with that in mind, we too, like the Israelites, should sing songs of remembrance. Because there's so much that God has done for each one of us. Obviously, all of our journeys look different, but... Uh, we all, I think, have these peaks, these mountain peaks where we can look back in our life and see, ah, that was, that was a time where God worked in my life in a powerful or meaningful or especially memorable way. And we would do well to remember those times, to recall those things in our lives, to remember God's faithfulness, his steadfast love that he has shown to us as individuals and even as a church looking back and recognizing God has been so faithful and he has been so good. And that's such an encouragement for us to recall these things as well. Especially if you're going through something that maybe isn't a mountaintop right now, you feel like you're in a bit more of a valley and you're wondering, have I seen God's work? This is when it's especially important for us to look back at those highs, at those times where we've seen God working in, in amazing ways and, and recognizing God is faithful. He's done it before and he can do it again. That's part of the power of remembering what God has done for us. And these examples of God's goodness from our personal experience should also be the fuel for the fire of our praise to God. And it should cause us to sing a song of remembrance to him with gratitude. Of course, the, the greatest cause for praise that we have when we remember is remembering the good news of the gospel. When we remember that, that God sent his son to earth as a human baby to eventually pay the price of death for us to give us life. When we remember that, how could we not praise? How could we not sing? We almost have to. It should just pour out of us when we remember what God has done. And this is why there's certain songs that we sing in church that, that I would call songs of remembrance that I just like probably more than most other songs. I think that they're especially powerful. These are songs like Jesus Paid It All or Glorious Day or All I Have Is Christ. Because in these songs, what we're doing is looking back and they're helping us remember what God has done for us. Listen to the words of the second verse from All I Have is Christ, and you'll see that this is true. It says, As I ran my hellbound race, indifferent to the cost, you looked upon my helpless state and led me to the cross. I beheld God's love displayed, you suffered in my place. You bore the wrath reserved for me. Now all I know is grace. What that song is doing is walking us right through the past. It's bringing us right back to our lostness and sin, the fact that we were once hell-bound. But then, 
it reminds us of what God has done for us. It reminds us that all we know now are his love and his grace because he died for us. It's a song of remembrance that brings us to a place of praise as in the chorus we get to sing together, Hallelujah, all I have is Christ. It's our gratitude from this memory of what God has done that results ultimately in worship. That's the case for that song. It's the case for so many other songs. And it's also the case here in Psalm 105, where God's people were singing a song to remember what God had done for them. And that's one of the reasons we are called to sing. We sing to remember him. So as we consider Psalm 105, I think there's one thing that should stick out above everything else, especially those, in those first few verses, and that is that as followers of God, we should be a people who sings. And so with that in mind, I want to encourage us all this morning to, to be a church that sings. And I want to give a specific encouragement to, to sing, especially as Christmas, which is a time classically full of, of music, approaches. And as we begin singing more Christmas songs or carols, whether that's at, in our homes or at church or where, wherever that is, I would like us to, to think about the reasons we saw this morning for why we should sing. So as we sing Christmas songs, Christmas carols, remember that we sing to revere him. As we sing these songs, be mindful of who we are ultimately singing to. I think Christmas is lots of time, times uh, a season of nostalgia. There's, I, I can be honest, there's certain Christmas songs that I like just because we sang it back in the day. And I, it's more about that, you know, this nice feeling that I get. It's like, oh, that reminds me of so-and-so. And that's fine and dandy. But as we sing those songs, we still need to remember the purpose of singing those songs should be to revere him. So when we sing these carols, remember that we are singing to God. You know, we, we ought to sing with a worshipful heart. We need to praise him for who he has revealed himself to be some 2,000 years ago on that first Christmas. We also sing to reveal him. I encourage you to consider taking the opportunity to, to sing carols full of God's truth um, with others, maybe even from church. Uh, take the opportunity to, to carol. And if you don't want to do that, because I understand not everyone particularly loves doing that. Uh, maybe if you are in the store and you hear a Christmas song playing that uh, is talking about the actual message of Christmas, take that opportunity to ask someone around you if, if they know what that song is about. You know, use the opportunity that's in front of you with music to share God, to reveal him to others. Remember that we also sing these songs to remember God. So as we sing Christmas carols this season, let's not forget that Jesus, being God, humbled himself. He became a man. He identified with us in that way by becoming a man and ultimately died in our place so that we might be saved. And that's what we should remember as we sing these Christmas songs. We sing to remember what he has done for us. So this Christmas, let's sing with thanksgiving to God for all of his wondrous works. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful this morning for the gift of music and of singing that you have given us. It is an amazing gift. And, uh, and it's a privilege to be able to sing songs to you and sing songs to one another as well. And I do pray that... Um, 
as, as we get closer and closer to Christmas, as we sing different Christmas songs, we would have in mind what we read this morning from Psalm 105, these different purposes for singing, that we would sing to, to worship you, but we would also sing to reveal you to others and that we would sing ultimately to remember what you've done for us. And we do thank you, Lord, for what you have done for us and pray that we would continue to be mindful of that today and throughout this coming week. And we pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.